Hello. Let the travesty begin. That's, you're going to change the intro you need to tell me. I just came up with it. Good. It's great. It's totally appropriate to what we're doing here. Thank you. Hello and welcome to Sex Time. It's a podcast that's fun to make and bad to listen to. I think I did a pretty admirable job on the one that just went out. I didn't listen to it. You shouldn't. There's a ton of spoilers in it. But I went ahead and did a solo recording of uh, reading aloud an article that and adding my own wonderful commentary of an article from Vice that interviewed writers from Sex and the City about what episodes they would have done in 2018. Interesting. Um, Like, I respect that these are women who wrote this show, but they are, like, wildly inconsistent with the characters. Like having them in in this new future do things that are completely against their character now like turning Carrie into some sort of hippie and like shit like that um so anyway i filled a half hour so it happened wow my solo recording struggled to be two minutes last time yeah i didn't ask you to contribute anything for the one that i i just put out because i figured you've been through enough yeah I mean, was was the last time's solo recording, like, when you finally load the dishwasher wrong for the last time and then you're just not allowed to do it? Oh, you know what? I didn't even listen. Oh, okay. You started reciting a poem, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I just checked the, the audio the, to make sure it worked. <laughs> it was the Death Be Not Proud sonnet. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, we're here. We made it. Um, we're going to kind of try to resume the normal things that we do, which is to watch shows and talk about them. And some of the shows are great and some of them aren't. How how are you, Badger? Well, I had a lot of thoughts and feelings on the episodes tonight. Mm -hmm. Mostly about Sex and the City, mostly bad. That's not surprising. Here's the notes that I sent to you. Carrie is shrill, and I'm aware of the negative connotations of using that on a a woman. Yeah, but it's true. It is the right word. And I think we could say that men can be shrill, too. Oh, yes. Absolutely. She lived in an unfortunate time when apparently it was important to have vertebrae show prominently. Yeah. Dude, I like Steve. Mm-hmm. Speaking for both of us, we are extremely offended as poli sci grads. We stand aghast. Yes. This is ableist at best and kink shamey at best. Mm-hmm. Carrie is the worst person in the world. Mm-hmm. And I replied to those. I agreed with you that as a poli sci major, this was not a great, uh, uh, it wasn't great. Um, and I also think, yeah, you think that Carrie is the worst now. There are characters coming up on this show, I think, that will rival that. <sighs> I'm sorry. I'm Adventure really Time only gets better and better. Yeah. These, um, these episodes slap. Slap. <laughs> We're in our 30s. <laughs> well, I'm on Twitter, so... I know the slangs. Yeah. You know what the youth say. Um, aside from the shows, how are you as a person? 
Oh, <laughs> quite bad. I'm, I'm I don't the... care to elaborate. I mean, um, that's fine. I'm not going to. Like succinctly, uh, I talked to a crisis counselor a couple nights ago, and they asked if I could list some things worth living for. And all I could think of was, well, I'd like to watch the president die. But you have your babies too. Yeah. But I have two life insurance policies, so they'd actually be better off. You know, I would be um, very upset if you weren't here anymore. Thank you. I mean, I don't think I needed to tell you that, but you're kind of like an important person in my life. Oh, thanks. How are, how are you with your now really disgusting foot secret? <laughs> yeah, so I took a before picture of my bunion and I was swiping through my phone and I was like, oh my God, that looks so bad. Because like I don't re- I hadn't acknowledged or seen my foot in like a while because I had surgery. Um, so the surgery experience, um, I may have shared this before. I did not believe that anesthesia would work on me. Nobody a, ever does. I'm not a great sleeper, but all of a sudden I was I was looking at the ceiling of the surgery suite I was in, and then I hear someone say, Kelly, Kelly, and I start trying to get up, and then I hear, oh, no, no, no. Um, so that whole, like, hour that uh, happened after I woke up, um, my parents were there, so I, they wheeled me back to the room. And um, the doctor came in and said things went really well. She's got very strong bones. And apparently I said, yeah, I eat a lot of cruciferous vegetables. Um, I don't fully remember saying that, um, but I did. Um, And then uh, I didn't really remember much of the aftercare instructions. So I actually was under medicating myself with pain medication because I didn't read the aftercare instructions the doctor had printed for me and I was just following the label. So I was in kind of a lot of pain the first couple of days. Um, I'm still in some pain now. I have a, about a four inch long incision on my foot. I'm not getting teary. I just need to drink some tea. My throat is getting dry. You've seen a picture of my, um, my foot the first time it was unveiled at my first post-op appointment. And uh, you think it's beautiful, right? Yeah. <laughs> It's really colorful. Yeah. I haven't, I hadn't been able to wash. The color is like green. Well, there's all the iodine is still on my foot because I haven't been able to get it wet. So there's the markups, uh, the TBO that is the to be operated on marking that she put on my foot is still there. Um, and I had to call um, the on-call um, orthopedist today to see if the way that my stitches are healing is normal or if I'm going to lose my foot. I guess I'm okay for now. Um, I have been very isolated from a lot of people except for like my parents and especially my mother. My mother is a lot to deal with and I'm remembering very clearly why I moved out now. So, but I'm doing better and I'm going to have a badass scar later. Cool. Yeah. I have a kitty on my lap now. And that's 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 pretty nice. All right. Shall we not put this off any longer? I I mean I already started. Yeah. I had my notes about it. So this is the second episode of season three of Sex in the City. 
the title is politically erect because they like puns and um essentially carrie is still dating the guy who's running to be comptroller john flattery um he's doing all his campaign fundraising blah 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 brings up the conversation of is there anything you'd like me to be doing in bed that i'm not and she's like no that's great what about you and he's like no it's all fine except i'd like it if you peed on me and then she has like a full-scale freak out about this like in the shower yeah not not like right there nothing would have to be there you don't need to do laundry Right, but in, but if, if it's not her thing, it's totally fine if it's not her thing. But um, instead of addressing it in the moment, Carrie does what she always does, which is to bottle it up, vent it out to her friends, and take extreme measures to stifle how she really feels so that the guy doesn't feel uncomfortable. This and is then she does the worst thing. The worst thing she could possibly do. So, well, I'm not... Okay, so she tries to have a conversation with him about like, okay, I don't think this is my thing, but I'm willing to do some things that might kind of mimic that, like pour tea on you. And then he is in the shower, and this is like post-sex, and he's like, well, people from my campaign read your column, and they don't think I should be dating you because of like you writing about sex. And she's like, but you like to get peed on. And he said, well, yeah, but nobody knows about that. So she wrote an article another one of her columns and I don't think she names him in it but she says she doesn't but you know apparently this is an extremely small island the size of a house everybody knows who it is and I don't think that Carrie Carrie with uh giant flower lapel pins and curly hair everywhere is necessarily the queen of subtlety so I imagine if she even tried to keep it um I don't know somewhat like who are who are you talking about i don't think she probably did a very elegant job of it yeah she could have just said she was dating a man mm-hmm. also like what did she say about it how do you fill a column with somebody shared a harmless kink with me and i i'm doing this now um so i paused i, I wanted to pause the video and i actually forgot to do this but um I watched this episode twice because I watched it the first time a couple weeks ago when we got kind of sidetracked. Um, and in the column as presented on the page that he's reading, it basically details the conversation of what compromises she had tried to offer. Um, so, yeah. No one in New York should date Carrie. Nope. Because, like, holy shit. Yeah, and this is like before the comptroller election, so. Yeah, so John Slattery might not get to be comptroller. Yeah, it's a very normal puritanical nation that we live in. So where do you stand on P? It's, well, it's not my thing. Mm-hmm. And I've actually never, never been asked, but mm-hmm. I've read about it plenty and it's like it seems fine that seems so tame mm-hmm. it does seem very tame there was a radio lab episode that they had a couple two or three episodes that were discussing a lot more in depth kind of like the nuances of, of um, 
consent and the fact that like it's not just enough for people to not say no and the like enthusiastic yes needs to be stated and like certain terms need to be established um and they talked about how the biggest originators of like a thorough um knowing consent conversation is the bdsm community and so i don't know they talk very like they talk about knife play and they talk about things that i think would be a lot more you know unexpected than than p i think p is pretty like vanilla adjacent and yeah so sterile so to speak Mm -hmm. so i mean he's at yeah he's asking in the shower and you know even if it wasn't necessarily her thing i don't think it would have been that traumatic of her to just like maybe i'll give it a shot to see how it goes yeah or uh, i don't i don't know i don't like it i'm i'm a shy goer but she could have just she could have just had that conversation with him yeah she could have had any conversation with any man that she dates at any time and it would turn out better than how it always does i feel like it was kind of good of her to at least try to like suggest some compromises um it was slightly more evolved of her than i had expected um but overall still not handling this very well at all so gosh there's so many other storylines in this episode too and they're all bad um charlotte is so determined to become a wife that she picks up an idea to host a like one woman's trash is another woman's treasure party where women bring guys they're specifically not interested in um to try to like meet new men this is such a minor storyline compared to everything else but she starts having a good conversation with the guy his ex is there the woman who brought him and she is so um turned on by seeing that he's in demand that they hook up so that's it charlotte is once again sad um i did think it was funny that carrie brought stanford because the instructions were to bring a man that you're not interested in but it's like way to like not stick with the intent of that but it was kind of funny. It was um, kind of funny. Um, Charlotte. Yeah, whatever. Just whatever, Charlotte. Do you want to talk about Samantha's storyline or do you want to talk about Miranda's storyline next? Oh, let's do Samantha's. That was the second worst. So Samantha is at a bar and this guy hits on her and he's very suave and confident and... Um, they seem to have kind of this witty. It's a very portrait. strange haircut, like a like a floppy part in the middle haircut. Yeah, well, that was just still. We're dealing with the era of strange men and strange fashion choices. Um, so he's hitting on her. She's enjoying it. They exchange information. She basically agrees to a date. He stands up, and then she realizes that he's a good five or so inches shorter than she is, and he has a he's you know confident or whatever but she has uh she's uncomfortable with it um they have a conversation about what the appropriate terminology for a little person is and whether or not he meets the criteria um and ultimately samantha brings him to the used men party he figures out what's going on and says uh i'm really good at sex so give it a shot she agrees apparently he makes her come five times which like 
is right up her alley. But then they have a dinner date later and she finds out that he uh, shops at the boys department. She has another freak out. He wins her over by matching her wits and they date for two weeks. There you go. So that was that. What did you think of that? Well, it was it was more closed minded of Samantha than I anticipated, but I suppose it's in keeping with her character. She just has a big list of oh no no's. Yes, and so many of the things that have happened with her are specific to the men's anatomy being wrong. That's true. Too small, too big, too flabby. She's Goldilocks men. Not just Goldilocks dicks. Goldilocks yeah. men. But that was that. Yeah. I mean, I guess she knows what she wants. Yeah. She dates a pretty wide variety of people, but there are some certain baseline quote-unquote normal things that she wants, I guess. Anyway. And then there's Miranda. Um, she is not actively seeing anyone but Steve, but she is also trying to keep things open so that they haven't like DTR'd yet. Um, he ultimately says that he would like to be exclusive with her. She's going to think about it. She talks to Carrie about it and that there is nobody else currently but that doesn't mean that she necessarily wants to be exclusive just because you've defaulted into the position which is fair um she starts a pro-con list at carrie's urging um which is also fair but maybe don't like say it out loud at a party that you're doing it but whatever um and ultimately he just is sweet to her and he tells her how much she cares about her and like wins her over and you like yeah me. yeah he seems like the most normal developed person yeah on this show he he doesn't um he doesn't bullshit about how he's feeling he doesn't play games or manipulate anybody he's um he, he shows just- interest and he's like persistent like he's pursuing her, so it's he's not lazy about it. But he's also not, I think, putting undue pressure on her. You know, he'll bring it up that he says, you know, I think it's going to happen in its own time, but I want you to know how I feel about you. And I think that that's a completely reasonable conversation to have. So, yeah. I didn't, I don't think I liked Steve the first time I watched this because I don't like his accent. It's yeah, it's a little his whole voice is a little hard. It's uh I don't know if the actor is actually from New York or not, but it seems very like this is how New Yorkers talk. But yeah. So overall did you have anything you liked about this episode? No. I mean, I said I like Steve. Yeah, I guess that's fair. My chest just started getting really red and itchy. This is cool. Cool, cool, cool. Um, I think I 
did I like anything about this episode? No, I especially hated, I mean, I hated a lot of it, but I especially hated the idea of a used men party. How insulting to be like, hi, I know things didn't work out for us, but um, a bunch of my girlfriends are into recycling partners right now. Can I bring you to a party? Who would agree, who would agree to be the person brought to that party? I don't know. I mean, I guess it would be maybe a little demoralizing, but I don't hate that idea. Maybe it would be somewhat flattering to think like you weren't the right person for me, but I bet there's somebody else and I want to help you meet them. I don't know. Was is is that something that you would ever do in real life? I mean, I I don't think it happens in real life, but maybe. <laughs> I wonder if it does. Hmm. To be researched later. Okay. Any final thoughts on the episode? Let's see. It was it was really bad. Carrie isn't registered to vote still. Which is bananas. Right? But yeah, it was uh it's really bad. It was yeah. really bad. I'd say it was the worst one of the season, but this is only two episodes in. Yeah. So but awesome. I mean so it is the worst one of the season. So far. Remember, everything bad about this show is only the worst thing yet. There's so much to come. Yeah, I saw something about the movie on Twitter. Yes, so um, one of uh, my Twitter gal pals was talking about the movie, uh, the first movie. And um, I asked her if she would be interested in participating when we get to the movie. And she was like, nope. So she actually... um, I, I would love to have that happen. Um, I also would love to see if we can get Emily on board for another episode at some point too. So I'm sure she'd like that. Yep. Cool. Well, um, shall we move on to adventure time? Yeah. Okay. So we are looking at um, in season three, episode uh, 13, which is um, from bad to worse. And uh, episode 14, which is Utopia. Now, last time we talked, you were um, kind of, um, you, you didn't like that we had split up the creeps and from bad to worse because those two episodes seemed to like be really well um, viewed together. Mm-hmm. Um, but I actually kind of liked that from bad to worse and Utopia we viewed back to back because these are both episodes with callbacks to previous storylines that were pretty yeah that's true well so was the creeps oh it was too wasn't it Mm -hmm. yeah but i feel like these two episodes kind of work together on those as well so do you want to give the um breakdown of what happened on from bad to worse yeah so this is a callback to the very first episode princess bubblegum is analyzing some of the zombie candy flesh in her lab when cinnamon bun uh eats it wanders in and eats it and starts another candy person zombie epidemic that can apparently now spread to non-candy life forms. Mm. And it's a pretty fun. I mean, they start with uh, Lady Rainicorn, Jake, LSP, and Finn are just running, screaming down the street. That's how the episode starts. And Princess Bubblegum explains what happens, and then the zombies break through the windows and get her, and she is just told them that they need to uh, follow the instructions that she's written down for the antidote. 
and to just let let science do the work. And then she, uh, as she's turning, yells something that is, at the time, incomprehensible, but later is a pretty big clue. Mm-hmm. So they split up, Jake and Rainicorn, LSP, and Finn, and they each try to follow the notes to make a new serum while the zombies are trying to break into the castle. So they try... Uh, Who's do they try first? They try Finn's first, and it gives them wings. Yeah. <laughs> they, uh, they're going to try Jake and ladies, but LSP shoves them out of the way and says that she her formula is going to work because she has the prettiest formula. And <laughs> it gives them, like, big, big, red, luscious, plump lips. <laughs> so she f- flies down there. And starts splashing it on her face, and it's so excited when she's got big, sexy lips, too. And then she gets turned into a zombie. And Jake and ladies give the zombies super strength. So they're these flying, <laughs> huge lipped, very muscular zombies now, which are like, it's, yeah, I went from bad to like extremely worse. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> And then in in moving from room to room with the the lab stuff and Princess Bubblegum's little candy corn rat and books and things, uh, they they run into a zombie and Jake gets bitten and turned into a zombie. He's he attempts to outrun the spread of the infection by stretching, um, and like spiraling and coiling up, which was pretty funny. But he is eventually um, bitten. All right, he's eventually fully infected, and then he gets he gets Lady as well. Yeah, because <laughs> Lady sees her her zombie boyfriend in the shower and just is like, "Oh, Jake." <laughs> <laughs> so they're both they're both uh, infected, and um, so it's just Finn, um, and he. <laughs> has a very deft maneuver with the cart with the with the rat on it and all the equipment and like surfs kind of into the <laughs> into the eyewash shower and barricades <laughs> himself. <laughs> and he's just looking at all the zombies, all these candy people hoarded up, banging on the shower glass. <laughs> it's it's pretty grim. It is it's kind of like how in the heck are they going to get out of this one? Yeah. And then he's just forlorn and talking to the little candy corn rat. And then he notices that the rat is pointing at something. It's pointing at its name tag, which is science. And suddenly it makes sense that Princess Bubblegum said, let science do the work. And her zombified last words were, science is my rat. Mm-hmm. So science, uh, with with some help from Finn, uh, gets all the appropriate materials together. <laughs> they test the potion, the formula on Jake, who becomes unzombified and then immediately rezombified. <laughs> <laughs> He's so happy, yeah. Finn, buddy, you did it. And then this, 
Oh he's no. Still, he's still in the middle of the horde, man. <laughs> so Finn pours the whole bottle on himself and then um, comes out into the lab um, to be taken by the horde. And then <laughs> just lets the zombies bite him and lick the formula off. And then it's cut to the next scene is everyone's back to normal and apologizing to each other. <laughs> yeah, it's the great day of apology. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that was pretty funny. Um, and then um, Bubblegum is going to give a, an award to the to the individual who helped everyone. And there's a little bait and switch because it sounds like she's going to give it to Finn, but she then gives it to Science, the rat. Yeah. So, um, and then she, is this the one where she does kind of a weird thing and commands them to rejoice? Oh, and yeah, she keeps yelling louder to rejoice. Yeah. Rejoice, my people. Rejoice. Rejoice. (laughs) (laughs) Why doesn't anything fun ever happen on Sex in the City? Oh, because it's not that kind of show next week I'm going to find some reason to yell rejoice and see how many people I can get to rejoice with me okay that's a good goal um this episode was fun I mean it got a little like dire and grim but overall it was pretty fun the zombies were funny especially like when um starchy is up on like a parapet and he's like, no one's going to get me here. <laughs> and then he gets. Yeah. Cause in the last, in the, well, the first episode with the zombies, he was like the first one to get got. Right. <laughs> um, but he gets, <laughs> I think the flying ones like fly into the window and like ricochet off of it. Like they're very clumsy flyers. <laughs> it was pretty funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I enjoyed this episode. Me too. And the little candy corn rat was super funny and cute. Yeah. We just got two new ratties today. Two new ratties. Yeah. So we lost Lemon Hope. Mm -hmm. It was quite terrible. Uh, And then rats have a lot of the same feelings and anxieties that we do. So it was keeping both of us up at night I think thinking of him suddenly all alone for the first time in his life probably mm. and these are two rats that uh, I adopted kind of on impulse about a year ago thinking that it was going to be their last month yeah they've... they were in such poor shape yeah they just looked like they were both going to die and it's been over a year and now and we we just lost one. So it's it is very inconvenient to get new pets right now. <laughs> like unspeakable, unspeakably inconvenient. But that's the the decision is because convenience doesn't shouldn't dictate if Princess spends his senior months or or year grieving. What are the, the two new ones? Do they have names? Um, there's a little blonde one that I named Evelyn. Hmm. And there's a little brown one that doesn't have a name yet. Why Evelyn? 
Uh, I liked the name, and it's a boy or girl name, and I found out it means little bird. Cute. So why not have one for a little baby boy rat? Well, I didn't know if there was a a, a literary reference. Oh, no. I just thought it suited him. It sounds good. Thanks. Anything else on this episode of Adventure Time? No. I said it's funny and dark and every episode this season is so good. Well, the next one that we um, get to, Utopia, um, is pretty dark. It's Yeah, it's also very dark. Yeah. Uh, Susan Strong comes back mm-hmm. to ask for Finn's help. She needs his hero heart and also some fire that Jake is currently using to heat up the tea kettle. And she takes him back underground to where her her people, the fish people, are trying to get to this place called Utopia. And they're all really scared. So she needs Finn to go with her. And Jake is not into it. <laughs> I forget what he calls her. He's like, this is our crazy cruise and she's our crazy captain. Mm-hmm. He seems really down on her being a fish person. He thinks yeah. there's something like wrong with her as a result of that. Well, they did attack the Candy Kingdom and try to eat the people last time they encountered these folks. Yeah. And Finn might be a little glassy eyed just because they look sort of human. Mm hmm. But Finn is determined to help. So Jake comes along. Um, he does some pretty cool shape-shifting in this episode. I liked his little clam dancing song. Um, and he becomes a dolphin. His head becomes a dolphin. <laughs> to scare all the fish people. I forget the tune of the song and most of the words, but he does sing a little song that I... That ends with, it's so hot, it's stupid. (laughs) And I laughed aloud. I don't remember this song. I watched this episode twice. I will try to get that and see if I can add it to the episode. Yeah, you should. It's fun. I actually have have time to do that this time. (laughs) It was similar to his um, On a Tropical Island Uh, song. uh Uh-huh. So they're proceeding towards this destination and Susan Strong is telling them of, what does she call them? The club gloves. gloves. And Jake is like skeptical that they even exist. Um, He's just down on this whole thing. And they go through these um, trials to get kind of to where they're going, including these like Super Mario I guess more Mario Kart-esque like gates that they have to like time the boat going through and everything. Yeah, I'd say it's more like Mario more so than Mario Kart. There's some uh, on Mario Kart 64, there's some levels where there's like sliding blocks that kind of it reminded me of. But Oh yeah, the bumpy blocks that go down. Uh, no. Yeah, down or across? I can't remember been long i don't know i've been playing mario kart on switch and we've got some thumpy blocks that go down i haven't played on 64 in a while but lisa 
and her boyfriend Jeff have an N64. So maybe I'll go over to their house and I'll play Mario Kart. Yeah, Mario Kart's fun. And Smash Brothers is too. Yeah, I'm not good at Mario Kart. I do like it. You don't have to be good at it. It's just a fun game. No. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> oh, anyway, uh, the boat gets kind of broken in half. And she says, oh, good. Still got some boat left. <laughs> They're like, where do we do now? And she's like, I don't know. I've made it this far before, which is like really inspiring <laughs> at that point in time. Um, but they continue. Yeah, and they the pool floaties come back. And just to show him up, Jake goes over and stabs one. And it just immediately swells to like 20 times the size of the pool floaty. And it's just a floating black hole monster with glowing teeth. So legitimately. Teeth like molars. Legitimately horrifying. Um, and he agrees finally <laughs> that this is probably terrible and scary. And it, it, they're kind of in, I mean, keeping it, they're far underground. Mm-hmm. They're in a mall food court. Yes. An old abandoned mall and, food court. And they've got to get the fire to this main chute that, that will then light up the whole area and banish the love gloves, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, a fight breaks out. Uh, Jake takes the lantern and stretches to reach um, where the fire needs to go. Um, And he's being pursued and he gets up there. (laughs) This is a little heavy handed of them with. uh, I, when I saw this, I thought you'd like it. uh, It was a little heavy handed of them. I was like, I bet Kelly laughed at this. Mm Hmm. So there's instructions of fire goes here. Oh, that's it? Fire goes here? Okay. Well, cool. I thought it was going to be a little more complicated than that. <laughs> okay, I'll just throw the fire in there. And on one, and he swings it. Two, he swings it. And then he gets he gets caught by a love glove. <laughs> he has three, and he swings it. Then he starts to say four. Oh, does he? <laughs> and, yeah. <laughs> yeah, then he gets caught and breaks free and... Uh, throws the fire and it goes all down the pipes and uh, banishes all the demons, I guess. Mm-hmm. Sort of like a uh, a cup of tea. Yeah. So the things return to normal. Um, I guess they actually use this area for like actual, I don't know, commodities or something. Like, there were seemed to be, like, baskets of apples or something. I don't know. Well, there were soft pretzels. Oh, yeah. Soft mall stuff. They must have, like, figured out how to get all the stuff in the mall working again. I don't know. Um, but they... Well, they make it they make it nice, and all the fish people come. And they have, like... They colonize it. They have, like, a hundred soft pretzels on the raft so that... Um, so Finn and Jake can go home. Um... And I'm not sure exactly how the conversation happens that Finn, does Susan take his hand and put it under? Yeah, if Susan asks Finn to stay and he says, I'm not like mm-hmm. you, I don't, I'm not a fish person. And then, yeah, she takes his hand and puts it under her hat. Like along her neck. 
Yeah. So he can feel where, you know, the other fish people have like gills and, and frilly fins on the sides of their heads. And nothing is said. So I think we're still left with the mystery of whether or not she is a fish person. Yeah. His eyes get all big and, and wet. And he just says, Susan. Then he has to go. So do we do we take that to mean that she's not a fish person? Uh, she comes back. So we'll, do we get an answer at some point? Yeah, we will. Okay. So this is just overall very emotional stuff for Finn. Yeah, as it as it would be. Mm-hmm. Why isn't Sex in the City ever this emotive? I think there are going to be things at some point in Sex in the City that do elicit an emotional response. Eventually. Like, but like, but like this one, not like, oh, I'm angry. Yeah, no, no, no. Like, there might be something where you actually feel like empathy. Oh, no, this show happens during 9-11, like before and after. What? Sex in the City. Yeah. I think. I mean, they must address that. I think. Hang on, I'm going to pull up when the episodes aired, but I think they already did. Um, because at some point, let's see, Sex and the City. No, the season we're in right now, nine uh, eleven hasn't happened yet. Um, they do. They do sort of have like an homage to New York, an homage to New York episode after 9-11 happens um one thing to note is that you know in the if you watch the intro i don't know if you actually watch it or not not anymore um, too kafka-esque well they, they they show some prominent new york buildings like the chrysler building and the twin towers um they keep the twin towers in after 9-11 that show's so silly i do wonder how they how they deal with it and it makes me think of uh i this is back when the onion was a website that updated once a week and still sent out a a paper (laughs) if you were so inclined but i remember just like refreshing the onion several times a day to try to get anything else uh except i mean what a nightmare But one of the articles uh, a couple weeks after was like the the illustrator behind the comic Luann mm-hmm. wonders how to address 9-11. <laughs> <laughs> uh, SNL did a pretty good job of it. Um, so one of the things was on like the first episode they actually did after 9-11 happened. Um, they had a whole bunch of first responders and did the like nice thank you first responders thing. And they had Rudy Giuliani. And then I think Lorne Michaels asked, well, is it all right for us to be funny? And then um, Giuliani says, well, why start now? Ha, ha, ha. But there's a sketch. Will Ferrell. So, like, you know how everybody, like, started to get super patriotic right after 9-11? And, like. Oh, yeah. I remember the 0% APR car commercials. (laughs) So, like, slapping American flag stickers on all your cars and shit like that. I had just started working at a grocery store and so like fucking red, white, and blue balloons everywhere. 
all of the baked goods were American flag themed everything. My mom was like, you need to put one of these American flag card stickers on your car. And I said, no, because um, this does not change how I feel about America. Like I can acknowledge that 9-11 was a bad thing and still not think like I should be more patriotic because 9-11 happened. You know, I don't love something more because it was victimized. Right. That's Mm -hmm. not really how, anyway, my dad of course was military. So, you know, it was a thing for him and like they put up an American flag and shit like that. But anyway, so the whole thing is like people got super jingoistic after 9-11. I kind of like justified a lot of crazy shit politically too. But in the SNL skit, so like people are showing up to work in an office environment and they're wearing like lapel pins with American flags, like tasteful patriotic stuff. But Will Ferrell shows up and he is wearing like a shredded like American flag t-shirt and then like an American flag thong and and that's like it and that is how he is expressing his patriotism and I'm sorry if that makes you feel uncomfortable Deborah and like um like this is how I show I love my country and it was it was a pretty good like mirror to hold up to all of these people who were just going overboard with like I love America shit it was so I think we needed that kind of criticism at that point but (laughs) anyway 9-11 happened yeah yeah I remember it was yeah it's one of those you remember where you were things yeah I was getting ready for school I was my senior year of high school and I actually had to talk to one of the counselors at school because they said like if anybody's upset by anything you need to talk to somebody come to a counselor and so I did because I started having uh dreams where I was killing my classmates <laughs> so Ooh. yeah I was out of high school and in community college so uh no no on-site grief counselor for me but I distinctly remember being like suddenly not wanting to see where my parents were from mm. And I held to that for a long time until, you know, somewhat recently, things simmer down a little. Yeah. And I present as white a lot of the time, so people know something's different. They're not sure what. <laughs> you are like Ann Perkins in your, in your <laughs> um, beautiful tropical fish, ethnically ambiguous way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I perfectly represent the dream of the American melting pot. In like two generations, everyone's going to be caramel and queer. So (laughs) you're just beating us all to the punch. It's true. (laughs) Wow. My itchiness over my chest is spreading Hmm. to my face. Talking of 9-11 seems to have upset it. I don't know. The only thing I did differently today is I tried a new hot sauce from Trader Joe's yuzu hot sauce i had it with dinner maybe i'm Hmm. allergic to it oh maybe Uh oh have you had yuzu before no but it's a citrus so i thought i don't think that like i haven't had a reaction to citrus before hmm i don't know this is cool i wonder if i'm gonna die tonight nah just slap some hydrocortisone on it yeah i don't have any benadryl at home though 
Really? No, I think I ran out of it. Oh. Yeah. I've been meaning to restock, but I've been a little immobile lately, so. Yeah. To your foot. Yeah. Which is just awful. It's getting better. This was all for the good reason. Yeah, it's foot shaped now. Yeah. And it's got screws and a staple. Yeah. And the staple is inside. Yep. It's in the, the, you know, when you look at your, it's in the big toe bone. Ugh. Yeah. The screws are down lower. Anyway, <laughs> do you want to talk about pop culture? Uh, sure. Speaking of New York City, yeah. my pop culture shout out is Abby Jacobson's book, I Might Regret This, I think it's called. I started reading it because it was laying around and I have been reading Blood Meridian by Cormac McCarthy and it's so violent. Yikes. It's just so like gory violent and I'm I'm getting through it. I'm going to read it. I'm going to finish it. But it's I the other day I like I'm I'm putting this down. This is too much scalping. Oh boy. Oh boy. The, the Wild West should not be romanticized, and this book does not romanticize it. I started reading The Road by Cormac McCarthy a few years ago, and I said, nope. And then I... Yeah, I hear a lot of people start reading it. And then I found out later there's a baby-eating scene. So, cool. <laughs> so, but Abby Jacobson, <laughs> is it an illustrated book then? Yeah, it's got some of her drawings in it. And what's the thesis theme? Oh, the the premise is that she, like, she had never really fallen in love in her adult life, and she's just kind of set in her ways. And then she just fell in love with a woman, and that relationship ended, and she's just like horribly lost. Uh, so she took some time off after filming Broad City and decided to just drive to Los Angeles and take a road trip for three weeks and just like clear her head and write down her thoughts and stuff. And it's pretty much that. Hmm. It's not a book with a lot of depth or anything, but it is enjoyable and double enjoyable if you have been reading Blood Meridian by Cormac McCarthy. <laughs> like anything would be in enjoyable in relation to that I feel <laughs> yeah. I mean there's this scene in Blood Meridian where like the protagonist is a very unlikable child who is 14 at the outset of the book and is some age after that during this scene but he's with a kind of rogue US troop that has decided that the US-Mexico war is not over hmm. And they take a a big party uh, below the border and like start losing people to sickness and dehydration and the animals are all suffering. And then they are ridden on by, I think, the Comanche. And the the descriptions of of the the writers are like they They've just picked up clothes from wherever. Like one of them's wearing a wedding veil 
and another's got like a wedding tuxedo on the wrong way like the jacket's back to front Mm. and they're just like covered in blood awesome (laughs) (laughs) but i mean aside from the fact that it sounds like horrifying do you other ways kind of enjoy the book no are you not going to finish it I'm going to finish it. I'm going to finish it. The landscape descriptions are very nice. I I long ago decided that life is too short to sink into the books that I are written off. So it's a sunk cost at this point. I've come too far. (laughs) Maybe the end will be really satisfying. Maybe, yeah. Maybe that everyone will die. And the earth will be washed clean. Oh. Cleansing rain. God, if only. <sighs> At this point, like, there's really no point in being an environmentalist anymore. No. 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 <laughs> On that grim note. <laughs> What's your pop culture recommendation? Um, I had been hearing about this a while um and i the name escapes me of the woman who did this but um nicole cliff had tweeted about it a while ago um and it finally showed up in my netflix recommendations it's salt fat acid heat uh, oh yeah i've heard good it's things it's a four-part documentary um based on the book that she wrote where she talks about these four elements of cooking are what you need as the basis in order to make really good food um, they go out a little out of order from the topics. They start with fat, and then they talk about salt, and then acid, and then heat. And she tra- so she um, came of age as a chef in Italy. So the first episode's in Italy, the second episode's in Japan, the third episode's in Mexico, and the fourth is in America. Um, and she's a woman of color. Her family is Iranian, and she meets a lot of other women of color, and she speaks at least four languages, and she's like ridiculously impressive and this is like yay women and yay diversity and um if you know much about the culinary world it's very like male dominated so seeing a lot of women in representation as chefs and like it's really kind of a positive message just for that alone but the the stuff that she discusses is really informative and um, she may have persuaded me to, like, get more vinegars for my cooking, which, you know, Ooh. I'm not a big fan of vinegar, but... And you know I'm a big fan of vinegar. Yeah, but a lot of things are acidic that aren't vinegar. So, like, honey and chocolate and um, avocados and things like that are also acidic, like, on just the actual pH scale. So, um, I watched the whole thing today. It was really interesting and informative and beautifully shot. Like, it's just filmed so nicely and it's fantastic i think it's a great way to spend a couple hours to watch that um that sounds nice that sounds like the antidote for losing anthony bourdain it is in a way and um there were elements i feel that reminded me a lot of how he would film things like some beautiful aerial shots and being in other countries and things like that um, and what might be a pop culture reference for me in the future, not sure yet, is I just started Firefly tonight because oh. I'd never seen it. Wow. Yeah. Can you believe I'd never seen it? Because it's kind of like. Iconic. And all of the people in my life, basically, that I respect in their pop culture opinions have seen it. So 
even I've seen it. I just finished the first episode, which was like an hour and a half long. So it was like a movie. Yeah, that was a slog. I didn't like the first episode. Parts of it I enjoyed, but I'm going to keep watching. Yeah. the um, My favorite episode, I think, is Shindig. So keep an eye out for that one. Well, there's only one season, so I probably won't miss it. Yeah. Well, there's the movie, too. Yeah. Serenity. I know. I know. Um, so get get ready. I might be recommending that in the future. I don't know. Yeah, you will. But, you know, everyone's seen it. So. Yeah, but who cares? It's old. <laughs> I'm recommending something that I've just discovered. Beowulf. <laughs> I'm recommending something I've just discovered. Have you heard of Fraser? <laughs> Kelly, it's like 20 years old. Uh, yeah, well, it was new to me. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Have you heard of this uh, hit new person, Banksy? Mm, there's this band I'm really getting into called the Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> Banksy is definitely like a group of women, right? It could be. Um, I don't know. Banksy is a group of women. Maybe. I, I, I'm kind of sick of Banksy. I mean, when I first... She's a bunch of ladies. Okay. Well, when I first heard of Banksy, I was like, what subversive art this is. How amazing. And now I'm like, just tell us who the fuck you are. I'm so tired. I don't have to That um, Sadness Disneyland that they did was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very Kafka-esque. Kafka is an author I've recently discovered, and I'm recommending him for my pop culture shout-out. I hate Kafka. Uh, yeah, I think you're supposed to. Well, I, it's not fun to read. I don't like art where there's nothing to root for. I don't like movies or TV shows or books where there's nobody that I can um, want to succeed and I didn't like metam- the metamorphosis, and I never will. I don't think you can really like the metamorphosis. I think you can just draw parallels to everyday life and appreciate it. That somebody has, like, pulled the, the absurdity out of the banal. <laughs> Listen to us sounding so college-educated right now. <laughs> <laughs> I went to college. My degree was in political science, but I went. Yeah. I wasn't told to read The Metamorphosis, but I did. Somebody told me to read it. I don't remember who. Some I read it when I was like 17 from the library and I had kind of stopped going to school. But I knew that there were like these books like Catcher in the Rye and yeah. Handmaid's Tale and Metamorphosis that other people were being made to read. So I just read them. I remember just just in case it was the last time that I tried to keep up with my cohort's pop culture. Pop culture. And now look at us. <laughs> I read I read Catcher in the Rye. My dad brought me to work with him for some reason. I just sat in his break room and read it in like one sitting. <laughs> I was not Catch Twenty Two. That's one of the books I read during that time. That's a book I started but haven't finished. You wouldn't like it. Mm-mm. Anyway, shall we do our um, 
thank you shout outs to friend yeah to emily hi emily thanks for cheers to emily thanks for sending us things on instagram that you think are funny yeah uh we don't usually check those dms but i mean we do eventually Mm -hmm. and maybe maybe when i'm feeling a a little better i'll post some more boobs Mm -hmm. maybe the boobs would make you feel better maybe well i have to think of some clever thing i don't know you have pies you have leftover pies you can hold up in lieu of boobs yeah uh maybe i'll demonstrate retro reflectivity with my running harness what oh (laughs) well now i have to because you react exactly how i want god yeah i need to like do a better poker face poker voice when you you can't you can't i can tell when you're when you're like pretending that you're not so pissed (laughs) it's almost better than if you're just mad (laughs) like if you're just silently taking the high road (laughs) but you're just thinking of murder i can tell i don't think of murder but i mean so i don't want this to sound weird but i think in like the way that certain friendships have transformed in my life i think a few more people have turned into the quasi sibling category than i initially thought so it's kind of like hearing my sister say that she's gonna put her boobs on the internet (laughs) (laughs) so that's kind of where like this response comes from i'm not gonna like kill you i don't want to kill you but it's it's always the response that i'm i'm looking for and you can't help but give it yeah you can't there's nothing you can do i am you're powerless against yourself knee jerk it's true well, if that makes you happy, then I will um, not change my ways. Good, because I got stuff planned. Oh, fun. Great. Okay, well, on on that note, um, thanks so much for listening. We can be found. Emily. Em- Emily knows where to find us, but we're on Twitter at SextimePod, Instagram at SextimePod, and we keep getting more views on Facebook, so... Um, and I haven't done anything there in a while, so that's kind of weird and interesting. I think the word sex is really what's doing it for us over there. Yeah. There's some algorithm, though, and it's just going to lead everybody to Jordan Peterson videos. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> well, um, that's it for us this week. Oh, God. And my cat is drinking my tea now, so. This is no control. God damn it. She put her paw in it. That was a cup of Rui Boo. Well, uh, it's pronounced Rubus. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, it is. Well, thank you for listening, and we will be back um, probably next week with another with another great episode. That's the idea. <laughs> All right. <laughs> End of travesty. Bye.